0: We want to welcome you to Ground Table today. I am here with my co-host, Britt Albin. Hi. (laughs) Uh, And we are joined today by a brilliant, beautiful guest. We're so excited she's here, Natasha Miller. And Natasha, you are the praying mama. Yes, I am. I'm so excited to be with you both. You're here and we're so honored that you're here with us, Natasha. So thank you again for saying yes. It's beautiful. And shout out to Jennifer. I know. (laughs) For connecting us. It's so beautiful. She's connected us. Britt's best friend. Love that. We're excited that you're here. So tell me a little bit about your background and your story. How did you come to that beautiful name, the praying mama. Yeah, yes. So prayer has always been something that has been
1: important to me. And um, I grew up with a praying mama. So I am one of seven children, there was five girls and two boys. And I remember at a very young age, hearing my mom pray, like, I would go into her room, and they had this really big Uh, master's closet, right? So I would go back there and she would literally be in a corner of the closet praying. And I would wake up in the morning and I would hear her praying. And at a very young age, you know, like I was exposed to Christ. Um, My mom, I believe she got saved after she had my oldest brother. And so, you know, once she you know, found God, she really made it a point where, where, hey, my life is going to change, and my children are going to know, you know, the same God that has changed my life. So I remember very young, like watching a TVN and watching, like Benny Hinn and, you know, putting my hand on the TV. And I was just always amazed at like miracles and, and the presence of God, and I just always felt so covered and filled with like faith, even as a young child into my adulthood, because my mom was just always praying for me. And even though I have found God, you know, as a teenager, I remember I was at a youth event and it was called The Call and it was hosted by Lou Engel. And they did it in I believe it was like in L.A. somewhere. And at that time, I was like a sophomore in high school And I was kind of at this place in my life where I was like, God, I love you. I want to give you my life, but I really don't have a community or see people who look like me, who are my age, who are serving you in the way that I desire to serve you. And I remember going to this event and um, it was just thousands of like high schoolers, thousands of people that looked different, you know, than me. We were all in one place. And We were worshiping God, and we were also fasting. That was the first time I was introduced to fasting. And I remember going in there, just hungry for God. I started fasting. And then after a few hours of fasting, they ended up saying, hey, if you want to go and eat, you're free to do that. If you feel like the Lord is asking you to continue this fast, and I would encourage you to keep fasting. And I really felt like God was calling me to continue to fast. And in that moment, I encountered him. I was like, I remember just sitting there praying and just feeling the weight of his presence and feeling the weight of just even the responsibility as a young person to live like a holy life. And I remember after that meeting, I just went 100% into all things God, right? I remember just even, you know, growing up in a Christian home well it, was, it wasn't it was actually a Christian home it was like a semi-Christian home where my mom was more of like the faith leader there but even for me knowing God and having a relationship with him as I got older I realized that I had a strong faith but when it came to the natural uh, you know areas of life or the practical uh, you know practices of life right like um, you know being able to manage healthy relationships outside of being like super spiritual about it or being able to manage finances um i think for me it was like i was so gung-ho about god that i didn't really attach the spiritual with the natural and as i got older I began to see that deficit in my life to where there were just a lot of like missing pieces in my story and in my life that caused me to really live in a place of like regret and in a place of feeling like, man, there's something missing. So I'll even backtrack a little bit more. So like after high school, I ended up starting like a singles ministry called Romance New Ministries to where I really felt led to help single women, uh, you know, fall in love with Christ. Because I, cause I had experienced Christ, and I was single, I had not dated. um, And I just felt like I had a lot of women around me who were in a place of either they were in a relationship, and it went, you know, to the wayside, and they were really in need of God. And then I had women who were like me who were walking purely, and they felt alone in their singleness, because they desired a husband and the husband hadn't showed up and all those different things. So I started a ministry called Romance Ministries. And during that time, I was able to like mentor and like help women in their single season to help them to really put God as like the forefront. So I did that. And then after doing that for a few years, I ended up meeting my husband. Um, I met him on Facebook. And after meeting him on Facebook, um, we got married. And that's when I picked up my life from California and moved to Chicago. So I would say, I feel like, my life got really real when I got married. Um, a lot of the things like I just shared in regards to the spiritual and the natural kind of having like a deficit of like not really being able to connect. How do I really walk this out practically? Like not living in this like spiritual cloud, I'm not saying it's not wise to walk with the Lord and walk in his presence. But for me, once I got married and it was not just me, but also another person is when a lot of old wounds began to be opened and a lot of trauma began to unpack for me to where I realized that, okay, in my single season, I was serving the Lord and I was waiting for my husband and I was pursuing purpose in the way that I knew how. But then when I got married, it was like, okay, how are you going to practically walk this out as being a wife? right? Um, I was also in ministry, having a job, like planning to have children, there was just kind of this disconnect of how do I live? So for me, I've been married 10 years. And uh, there's just been a lot of unveiling, you know, that has taken place in regards to my perspective, and how I perceive things and how I view the world and, and how I view people. And so it's really been this interesting journey, one thing that has kept me steady in this process has been prayer. And I believe that the prayers of my mother and the prayers that I have continued to pray in my journey of not knowing the future, not understanding what's happening, my prayers have been able to help carry me in those moments to remind me that, okay, you're okay. Like right now, you don't have to be so consumed with the future or be so consumed with your past that you're not able to live here in the present and see what I'm doing in your life now. So with the praying mama, I realized once I got married and once I had children, that my knowledge, my personal knowledge and my personal experience was not going to be the number one tool that was going to help me be a good wife or help me to be a good mom. I realized that I had to tap it. I had to tap into my relationship with the Lord and begin to even go back to that spiritual part of me and see how God was interlocking it, interlocking it into my present season. So with the praying mama, I just really believe that as a mom of three girls and even just as a wife, that I need the wisdom of heaven in order to help comfort me in the moments of tension that I may feel. Are the overwhelm that I may feel uh, because I have found that, okay, like the person, my mother, they're able to keep me, but now I have to begin to, you know, practice that in my own personal life so that I can leave that same spiritual legacy for my children. And I think too, like what's really been kind of pushing me to even walk this out and to help other moms do this is understanding that like The legacy that we leave for our kids is so important and all the things that you may do in your career and all of the accomplishments that you may have, yes, those are going to be wonderful things that your children are going to be able to say about you. But what about the memories of them hearing you pray, the memories of them speaking God's like word over them or the memories of them seeing you in need of God and then realizing that even though mom was struggling in something, she prayed, she stood she, you know, continued to trust God. Um, and yeah, so it's it's been a journey. I feel like the Lord is, is continuing to do within me, um, but I just see the world today and I see mothers and I see mothers who are in my age group to where I feel like as a generation, as a millennial generation, that like we have become selfish in a sense of trying to make sure that we accomplish what we accomplish to where we're not really being intentional about pouring into our children and really making sure that they're prepared, you know, for the world, not just with education, with money and with, and with stability, a a strong spiritual foundation of understanding that that is truly what matters most.
0: I love that. I mean, (laughs) prayer is the impression. Prayer is our imprint on the hearts of our children, our family, our spouse. I love that moment when we are in a crisis and we have those people that we know immediately, like Natasha, I know right now, I mean, you're, I'm I'm putting you in my intercessors. (laughs) I'm like speed dial. (laughs) Britt's that person, you know, she's that person. She and I know, like I know that even if I didn't have time to give her details, if she didn't have time to give me details and she said, friend, pray, Mm -hmm. I know what that means. And we're going to go to war with whatever that is, you know, pull heaven into our earth and existence on, on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. And when we, when we can offer prayer as the imprint in someone else's life, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: does it get any better than that? Because prayer changes everything. I love what pastor Jensen Franklin says. We can't do everything, but we can do something. And Joyce Meyer says, you know, you're not just going to pray. It's not, I'm, I'm just going to go pray. No, you're going to pray. When we pray, what happens that we truly are saying, God, creator, our creator, our maker, that these mountains need to move. And we're sitting around waiting on God, but God is like, I'm waiting for you to speak to the chaos because he's put that power within us yeah. to be able to speak to the chaos that's in our lives. I love that you live a life of prayer with your children and leading others to do that so well.
2: When she was talking about um, living a lifestyle of prayer, um, Natasha, I thought of, you know, how many times I have prayed and pursued that peace that comes after you pray. And it's like, you know, without the Lord audibly telling you the answer, you have this peace that leaves with you after a time of prayer or Just asking the father, you know, a simple question and then just feeling peace to move forward with something or to not move forward with something. It's this, I don't know how people live without it, right? Like that, that peace that comes. And it's just so beautiful because I think, like you said, your children start to see that operating system that you have with the father and that becomes their operating system. And they don't Mm -hmm. know any different um, than mama praying for an answer. Or it's so cool to see, you know, families who've had this generation um, after generation of prayer um, lifestyle. It's just, it's such a beautiful thing. And I think it's rare. You You can see those families from a mile away, right? Because there's just something different about them. They just carry this piece that not a lot of families operate in that from a day-to-day basis that's really neat oh yeah
1: that and that is something like even as you're talking i'm thinking about you know like personally knowing to pray for my family and how that operates but then even just you know the generational torch right that's being passed and you know i am the oldest um daughter mm-hmm. um and so it is that place of life i do think about that right of just even just you know family order and like how if you know like 40 50 years from now will i still be carrying that torch right because it is just so important i think like the older that i get and the more life that i walk through i realize that at the end of the day It's all about him and it's all about the peace that he gives and the wisdom that he gives. And it's like knowing that at the end of the day, I want my children to see my faithfulness, you know, to the Lord and my faithfulness, you know, to my family you know, to my husband, to what we're creating and cultivating in our home. And it's not always perfect. Like, you know, you're a wife and a mom, and then you're also a woman, right? And you're processing like your own grief, or you're processing your own like process. And even for me, I'm for the last like year and a half, almost two years, like I've been walking through a lot of health issues. And you begin to see, you just look at life differently and it's just like, Lord, okay, what I encourage people to do, Lord, help me to continue to keep that fire burning within my own heart, right? To continue to to fight and to continue to show my family and those around me that like, okay, This has happened to Natasha or she's in this process now, but she's continuing to fight and she's continuing to stand and she's continuing to choose to pray and um, to move forward in that. So I think, you know, for me, you know, personally in this season is taking is continuing to put on that identity. Right. Because there are moments where I feel like I like I'm not equipped for this. Like, okay, (laughs) Or. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't pray for this long, you know what I'm saying? Like all those different things, but I'm realizing that like in those moments where I'm in my car or I'm in my room and I have I have moments with him and I'm pouring my heart out to him, I can let you know that every tear that I've cried, every uh you know, request that I've made from like a deep place in my heart, right? He has always showed up. He's always answered. And I think for me, just even as I encourage moms, is I just feel like there's such a transition once you're single loving the Lord. And then when you get married, it's like, you're married, you're loving the Lord. And then it's like, you're married, you're loving the Lord and you have kids. And it's just like, how does all of that look? It's not going to look the same as the last season. And it's for me, I've learned, I'm learning still, right. To be satisfied with knowing like, okay, God, you're going to show up in different ways. Like how you showed up for me when I was 25 is going to look different. Where how you show up for me now, you know, just of like, I think continuing to be curious of how he wants to speak to you, whether it's through a conversation, whether it's through a neighbor, whether it's through a book that you're reading, because I think it's just so easy to be stuck on one way that he wants to communicate to you. And even for me, with my health, I'm realizing, man, God, like he's with me, even in the suffering, you know? And I think too, of just whether it's through your health, whether it's through loss, it's like. We really are on a pilgrimage, you know. I mean? We really are on a journey with the Lord, and it's just like I want my kids to know that at a young age, versus knowing it when it's too late, or knowing when it's when it's when they're older, right? It's like if they can get that sacredness and understand the holiness of like walking with the Lord and the promise that He's never gonna leave you nor forsake you, and it's ingrained in them. Because not just because I've told them and they've learned it for themselves, but because they've seen their mother, you know, walk that out as well. So I think prayer allows us to not be afraid of the future. It allows us to find peace in the present and it allows us to be still and to recognize what he's doing versus following anxiety and worry and all these different things. It's like, God, you're with me now. And that's all that matters right now, like Our brains can't handle all of that, you know, all of this information constantly, constantly, constantly. And it's just like, like you were saying, Juliet. there's right, there's wrong, and then there's truth, you know? And I think what I'm fighting for, not just even through praying mamas, but just in my own life and in my children's life is that and people around me, even for myself, that we would find the truth of God, it's not even just right or wrong. And I believe we can only find that truth by being brave enough to not be right and to not be wrong and to just come into the truth. Right. Cause it's like, Hey, the truth yeah. is going to set you free, but it may not be what you want to hear, you know? And yeah.
0: Mm, so oh, good. Okay. The truth is our, it's our access to freedom. Yeah. When we are, when we are seeking, we're fighting for truth for love to win. That is the truth for joy to win. That is the truth for peace to win. That is the truth.
1: Truth.
0: Yeah. When you're sharing your your physical challenges and mm-hmm. everything that you've been walking through the last year and a half, two years, that suffering and the perseverance, choosing joy, choosing to seek peace in the middle of that, choosing to fight through the symptoms,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the circumstances, the doctor reports you know financial bills that may be stacking up and choosing to say Jesus you're my provider mm-hmm. what you said earlier that he never leaves us he never forsakes us that you are equipping your children for the hard things and even when it's hard it doesn't mean that it's not god prayer mm-hmm. is not is not living in a space that we are denying that our circumstances exist It's looking at fear in the face and saying, no matter what my circumstances are saying to me, the truth is, Mm -hmm. and we begin to pray the word of God, we begin to draw upon the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth Mm -hmm. and the life. That's it. That's the pathway. Mm -hmm. That is, that's how we blaze that trail for our children, for our loved ones, our significant other, for our family, for our friends, is being able to pray because it changes everything in our lives. Your story, so much in your story as a young person with your precious praying mama so Mm -hmm. resonates with me. And my mom is still, is still with me. I'm so thankful for that. She's Mm -hmm. 79. And just last night before I closed my eyes, I sent her a text message and I said, Hey, mom, I have a podcast interview in the morning. Would you please pray uh, that Britt and I are led to ask and say all the things that we need to say and listen, and that God's desires will be satisfied through our conversation. This was her response to me. She said, yes, Lord, (laughs) we ask that you honor Juliet and Britt's prayers and that the Holy Spirit leads them tomorrow. We pray that your desires be satisfied as what they are doing is for your namesake. And I love that, what you shared and the fasting that's in your story, that these are decisions and choices that we make that lead us to freedom. That that truth is written over the lies of our hearts. And the truth that, what is the agenda of truth? Freedom, that's the agenda of truth is, is always freedom. So tell us more about, I want to circle back to something that you said when you were talking about the deficits in your life, Mm -hmm. really powerful. What became paramount for you as you were uncovering pieces in your story through the process of unpacking the wounds in your life and healing, stepping into marriage and then stepping into motherhood, Mm -hmm. where did prayer really become Like you grew up with that, watching your mom, and then you stepped into a space in your life of, I want this to be my experience. I want this to be my God, my Jesus, my Holy Spirit, which is what I'm hearing you say for your kids too, that you want your kids to, yes, love the God that their mother has loved and served and that their father has served, but for them that it becomes their God, their Jesus, their Holy Spirit, those experiences that they have that are like, It's undeniable, right? It has to be, it has to be him. When would you say when you reflect in your story that prayer really became paramount for you as you started to connect, as you said earlier, the spiritual with the natural and beginning to see those deficits in your story or where there, where there were some disconnects. Do you feel the disconnects were a result of the wounds in your life. And then as you stepped into your marriage relationship that you started to have that process. Okay. Now I'm going to live out what I've learned. And then you're like, Whoa, I'm ready for this magnifying glass, but it's here. So, What did that look like for you?
1: Yes. So, so like I stated earlier that I met my husband on Facebook, my husband, was my first ever serious relationship, first kiss, first everything. Mm -hmm. So um, when I met him, I was 26, we got married at 27. We met, uh, got engaged and married in nine months. So, and relocated everything. So it was a very, very quick process. Um, So when I met my husband, my husband was also a virgin as well. And it was like just this beautiful story. We met on Facebook, we ended up recording uh, a YouTube video about our Facebook love story. Um, And we simply did it because his family and friends were in different parts of the world. My family and friends were wondering, who is this guy that you're talking about? He doesn't live here. So we thought, hey, let's record a video of how we met. So we did that, we put it on YouTube and it just went viral. People were just like, oh my gosh, this is so dope that you guys met on Facebook. Are you guys um, still married? And from that video, we ended up starting a business, a ministry slash business to help singles um, have a a healthy foundation for marriage. But I say that to say that when we first got married, we had no plans of having a lucrative business or being on Forbes or doing all types of stuff, right? It was literally like, we want to serve God and we want to start a church. We're like, Hey, we, we love people ministry. We're going to start a church. That's going to be like our end goal. Right. When I got married, marrying my husband, that was a God-fearing man that kept himself for marriage. Me, a God-fearing woman kept myself for marriage. I did the whole purity ceremony thing. Like I was like, I did it Jesus like life is gonna be perfect like my man is just gonna be the best and I'm gonna be the best for him but I realized quickly like oh my gosh Natasha like you your childhood trauma like you uh not being even able to to understand what does a healthy godly marriage look like I think for me I had a very romantic view of like, okay, he loves Jesus. Therefore, he's going to love me unconditionally every single day. Everything's going to be perfect every single day. And I realized quickly that, no, this is an individual that has his own dreams, and has his own vision and his own plan. And for me, I was an individual that had her own dreams and her own plan. And now we're having to combine it. So once we started, like, because literally, I think it was like two years into our marriage is when our business, like, blew up. And in the, in the middle of the business blowing up, we're still learning how to be husband and wife. And, um, you know, for me, like living in a brand new state, being in a new culture and stuff like that, um, I began to, I don't know, just kind of hide and just kind of like I, I just felt so alone in certain moments because I didn't really know that many people. I wasn't really trusting a lot of people, like a lot of different stuff that was going on in the first two years of our marriage. Once we hit like a really great spot in our business, we also hit a very low a very low spot in our marriage. So there was at the peak of our success is when we had a very hard uh, like moment in our marriage. And um during that time, I had, you know two daughters. I had them a year apart. So uh, I had you know two two uh, daughters under the age of one. And the business is peaking. And then also there's some trauma happening happening in our marriage that nobody knows. Um, it's just, you know, like we're still having to show up on like our social media channels. We're still showing up in ministry. There's only a select people that know what's going on. And I remember in that moment, I had to make the decision to either die here and just let everything fall apart. Or I had the decision to get up and to choose, like you were saying, like freedom. And I feel like in that moment, it was like, okay, during in that time in our marriage, it was like my husband was doing his thing. I was doing my thing, you know, trying to keep stuff together. And I began to meet with a the therapist because I was just like, okay, how do I live in the same house? How do we still function without me losing my mind, right? Because it's like when you have something so big happening in your marriage and then it's like you're still expected to do things for me it was traumatizing right because just with my nature I've realized even just in the success of our business and ministry and stuff like that that my bot ba- I don't do well with fast 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 and I feel like in that season it was so fast and there was so much pain that it really did even though I was showing up and doing what I needed to do I was dying inside so when that stuff happened in my marriage, is when I really realized, okay, this is not just about my husband. This is not just about what's happening in our marriage. Like this is about me showing up and realizing, okay, God, what are you instructing me to do? How can I be able to still keep peace in my home? How can I still have peace in my heart and my mind in the midst of everything that's happening? And that's when I really, you know, got on my knees and I was, I don't, I, I look back at that season of of my life and I can't even really describe or tell you everything that I did, because I felt like I was just literally being carried by the Lord. And it was just a very interesting time of finding God for me. I think Mm -hmm. uh, previous to that moment, because my husband, you know, I think I had definitely made my husband like an idol to where I felt like he could do no wrong, um, and once, you know, we had this issue in our marriage, I realized, oh, snap, like he's not perfect and I'm not perfect. Right. So it's just like two imperfect people that think they're amazing that fell. It's just like, OK, how do we rebuild this? Not just as a couple, but individually, how do we rebuild ourselves to a place of health so that we can function together, you know, in a healthy way? I could definitely say during that season is where I really made like prayer mine. And during that season of, of that issue and all that stuff happening in my marriage, I realized that, okay, I can't put anybody on a pedestal. At the end of the day, I made the choice to be with my husband. My husband's making the choice to be me. I think it just brought everything like, you know, down to layman's terms of like, I think we can make stuff so spiritual, even with just marriage. It's just like, oh, okay, like God told me, I'm okay, God, definitely, I'm sure he's telling you that this is your husband. But at the same time, you still have to choose to love this person, you still have to choose to show up. You still have to choose, you know, to fight. You have to choose to stand. And I felt like for me, that was a defining moment of like, okay, what am I choosing, you know, to do? Am I choosing to let my life get chaotic and not fight for my marriage? Or am I gonna or am I going to fight not just for my marriage, but fight for myself? Um, and to fight for my children. During that, you know, during that. That season of my life, a lot of stuff was confronted in regards to who I was putting my faith in. Also, just even, you know, childhood of just this is a lot of different things. <laughs> I mean,
0: it's it, I feel like I I'm mean, going everywhere. God, you are speaking like, the truth, bring us the I'm truth. Like, I'm <laughs> keep coming going everywhere,
1: but I just think like
0: this is life, it, though, right? It, this it, is life.
1: It's yeah. life, but even just for me, like now. we're we're in marriage therapy and stuff like that. And I'm confronting even more things of feeling like, okay, why don't I feel completely safe, right? Or safe with men or safe with women sometimes. It's like, there's this detachment piece. There's this fear of like abandonment. There's this fear of, if I let you in too much, then this will happen. And it's just like, I feel like once I got married, you know, that came up once we hit rock bottom in our marriage, you know, that came up, it's still, you know, this process of inner healing, you know, that I'm having to do with realizing what is that fear of being attached to someone fully outside of God. And honestly, like even in my relationship, even with, you know, me and God now I'm realizing because of that detachment that sometimes I feel with other people, it's ca- it's now beginning to affect how I view God, right? Where I'm like, oh my God, like what everybody says, like father wounds, mother wounds, like it's a real thing, right? But it's it may manifest in different ways of realizing, okay, like life has happened to me. Right. Like I think too, even as a believer, as a woman of God, we need like moments like this conversations like this to where you can have open spaces to process your humanity you know and i think for me for so long i covered my humanity with spirituality and i tried to just oh everything's okay you're being dramatic with how you feel you're being dramatic when it was like no what do i want i had to make the decision what do i want in my marriage do i want to stay together do i want to do this and i think for me I've had to ask myself those questions and be okay with the answers that I have and not feeling like, Oh, my answers are influenced by the demonic or, you know, like, it's like, no, I mean, at the end of the day, you're human. And you have to give permission for your human side to show so that you can get the true healing that you need. At the end of the day, it's like, God wants us to be real. God God loves the truth. He loves what we're feeling because then he's able to come in and bring his perspective and bring true healing. So for me, now that I'm talking I'm like man, my whole life it's just been this unpacking of like God saying, it's okay for you to be human Natasha. It's okay for you to not be okay with this relationship or this friendship. It's okay to let go. It's okay to be mad. It's okay to you know forgive. It's okay to put up boundaries. It's okay. So for me it's Through prayer, it's helped me to make those decisions, but it's also, I'm having to give myself grace of knowing, okay, I'm making the decision in the spiritual, but I got to make it in the natural too, because if not, I'm going to be living in this la-la land of what if, how, and it's like, no, if God is telling you to do something here in the spiritual, it's okay to bring it over to the natural and make it happen if you need to make that decision.
2: Oh yeah, that's kind of-
1: (laughs) she's like,
2: like yeah so <laughs> yeah no, what she just said though I relate to so 100
0: percent yeah
2: because you know you talked about starting a business and then you know your business or, or your marriage started falling apart when your business was having a success and you thought you know oh lord we're going into ministry so everything's going to be amazing like that's mine and my husband's story too is yeah. you know Felt called to New Orleans um, to start a church and we went mm-hmm. with seven people um, you know we lived in a shotgun house in in Treme with was two married couples and a couple of singles. I don't know what we were thinking. <laughs> but we just thought you know we love the Lord so he's gonna work mm-hmm. it out and then when that didn't go through or it didn't work out eight months later, I was in a city I had never been to before mm-hmm. by myself, my husband. You know, my husband's uh, stepfather was going through um, early onset dementia and he Mm -hmm. was fading fast and he had to go be with his mom. And so here I am in this big city contemplating, like, why did I choose ministry? Like, this is hard. This is horrible. And, you know, you have these, then you start closing yourself off, like you said, from people, because you've been so hurt, because all Mm -hmm. I wanted to do was serve the Lord and to love the Lord and, and help people. And now my life is literally falling apart. And then I think what's so beautiful is that the Lord through those raw and real moments and you're praying to the, you know, you're praying for clarity. You're praying that you haven't messed up your life, you know, forever And he just comes and he meets you where, where you are. And he allows you to bring him the most vulnerable, broken pieces. And then he starts building something beautiful out of that. And we may not see it for a long time, right? We may be in the process of healing and, um, but whatever he does in those moments of um, healing of mending is so important for our future. We don't get it. We don't Mm. see it at the time, you know? And then one day we look back and we say, oh, that was the, that was probably the only way you were going to get that piece of my heart, right? That was probably the only way that you were going to, that I was going to release that to you. And I didn't Mm. even know it was an issue before, but that's been true to my life. So when you're talking about that, surrender and, um, you know, not having to be perfect. That Mm -hmm. is very much what I lived as well. And I think as long as we take those intentional steps back and say, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? Is there something that I need to give to you in this season? Um, Mm -hmm. he, he's faithful to answer that. And it may not be what we want to hear, like you said, but it's, It's important that we make it an effort to listen and to ask the Lord those questions because we're constantly learning. We're constantly growing. And if we have a heart after Jesus, he is faithful to make it all good um, in one way or the other, you know, to work it out within us so that we are living, breathing testimonies of his goodness and his grace. That's so good. So good,
0: Britt. Thank you. Yes. So thank great. you for that. Amazing. And Natasha, I was thinking earlier as you were sharing about you and your husband and just what you were physically going through and what you're what you're walking out right now. You mentioned that you were discovering something about yourself in the process that you don't do well when it's just coming at you, coming at you. Your body keeping score, fighting to not keep tabs on the injustice, on the injustice that's transpiring in your life Mm -hmm. and trusting God in the process of all of that. I was reading in Mark 5 this morning about the woman who fought through the crowd. And Mm -hmm. I went back to a time in my life where God whispered to me, Juliet, I need you to have him faith. And she fought through so much, regardless of what others were thinking around her, how she fought to get through the crowd crawling on her knees. And she said, if I could just touch the hem, if I could just touch the hem of his garment and in Mark five, uh, it says for, she kept saying to herself, if only I could touch his clothes, I know I will be healed. And I was looking at the footnotes. This is in the passion translation. And it talks about that it means literally to be safe and sound, that the word, if you've heard of sozo, you know, that inner mm-hmm. healing and that process, that it can mean healed, delivered, made whole, rescued, restored, okay. and say that this is what Jesus is for us and does for us today, yeah. that the scripture says that he is the same Yesterday, today, and forever, He is our constant. He never changes, and He stays the same, so that we can change, so that we can adapt, so that we can make those discoveries about ourselves. And if we will lean in, if we will be intentional and pay attention, and like Brett, you just shared, that we make those intentional choices and live a life of intention to understand ourselves, understand that God cares that we allow ourselves to step into that space of being pruned for those things in our lives to be cut away so that we can really be present and, and be in that process and enjoy the moments and the relationships and lean into what actually matters, Mm -hmm. what really matters in our lives. How did you get up during that, that you said you kept showing up on social media What you and your husband were going through, there was the select, you know, few people Mm -hmm. that knew what you were walking through. Mm -hmm. What did that look like for you? Because in my, in my own life, Mm -hmm. I, I coaching myself saying, Hey, Jules, even if you're flat on your face, you got to stand up on the inside, lean into, lean into the truth. Mm -hmm. Britt's heard me share this quote because it's like, it always seems to come up, but uh, Pastor Mark Batterson in his book, Mm -hmm. The Circle Maker, yeah, says, work like it depends on you and pray like it depends on God. And that's what I hear you saying. I Mm -hmm. realized that I wasn't going to spiritualize my way out of the pain. I had to come to terms with, hey, this is what's happening. And yet this is who God is. Yeah. This, This is my pain. Here's the power. And there's this tension in the middle, this tightrope that we're on of like, okay, what does, you know, what does this look like? And when the balancing act starts to oh, falter and the scale starts to tip towards the pain, 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 and we see this power over here, that tension that we're like, how do we get up? How did you, for our listeners that are like, yeah, that's me, Natasha. That's, that's me, whatever their story is, please tell me how to get up. What would you say to our listeners, how they get up?
1: Two things come to mind. Cause for me, what, during that hard season of my life, what really kept me at peace was like solitude. It was this place of being okay with the hiddenness because in the midst of me being seen, as like a public figure and people like ooing and aahing and just amazed at what God was, was doing in our lives, there was still this part of me that was hungering for normalcy. I was hungering for relatability. I was hungering for simply to just be seen as Natasha, like to where the people that were in my life during that time that were aware of what was going on, their friendships and their affirmation brought a lot of uh, you know, peace to my heart of just realizing that there was someone who was listening, was also praying and also just covering me. Um, and also for me during that season was being able to have somebody who was unbiased, who was outside of my world to come in and to help me grieve and to help me kind of put the pieces back together, right? And for me, it was um, a therapist. You know, she was a godly woman. She had worked, she, um, she worked with with entrepreneurial couples. So that was like her specialty of being able to work with couples like that. And for me, she was that space where I could come to where even after spending time with God and me being decided and having the peace to continue to move on, Having someone who was outside of my world, who understood what I was going through, to help speak reason and even give tips on, like, okay, Natasha, like how you're processing this. I'm that's beautiful, and I also sense that with the Lord that He's He's called He He's wanting you to go in this direction and be okay with that. And then she also challenged me too, of like, hey, maybe you can look at this, you know, from a different perspective. I just because during that time it was like. I felt so alone and I knew that the Lord was with me, but I also needed that physical person to be kind of that representation of the Lord as well, like helping to be a shepherd of like, hey, like I'm helping to shepherd your heart, like what you're processing is not crazy. Yeah, you're a woman of God. Yeah, you guys have an affluent life. It's great. But hey, your feelings still matter and how you are viewing the situation still matters. So I think those two pieces of like having a godly therapist or having a godly coach that was coming in to just like check in on you and to help speak life into you. Me personally cultivating those moments of solitude of like, hey, you know what? I need to be hidden away. Like there were moments to where I would literally even, get out my bed and go into our office. And I would literally just cry on the floor. And I'm like, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like my kids are laying in bed. My husband's laying in the bed. Like, how am I going to get through this? Give me the strength to go through this. And those late cries at night, those moments where my kids were napping, um, I would find books. I found a book that was talking about um, how to embrace uh, the um, hidden seasons with God. Like even just kind of reading books and reading the Bible that helped help to confirm and affirm where I was at because I think my flesh and the people pleasing wanted me to just keep showing up and keep like you know faking it and and in all honesty I did have to do that in certain things at the end of the day like there was commitments that I made but I still had that sacred place that I could come back to to where I had you know, my team, you know what I'm saying like I had like my godly coach. I had the books that I was reading. I had my my prayer time with the Lord, right to remind me of who of of who I was. um so yeah, that there was one book in particular. I can't I think it was by like Sarah Bragg. and it was just a really powerful book about embracing the hiddenness, like because even though I wasn't physically hidden, like people still saw me my heart felt hidden, like who Natasha was felt hidden. Like I, and what's also interesting too, that I'll add too, like even before all this stuff happened in my marriage, I remember um, there was a song that I listened to and it was called Defender by oh. yeah Rita Springer. She had just released, yeah, the song Defender. And I remember hearing it and I was just weeping and I was just like, Lord, oh my gosh, this song is so amazing not knowing that just a few weeks after that, I would hit the most rock bottom you know, mm. part of my marriage. And I looked at that even just a few weeks ago and I was just like, God, oh my gosh. I didn't know what was gonna happen after hearing that song. And I remember too, like even before everything had happened, it was like the Lord was impressing upon my heart. Like your husband loves you. You know what I mean? Just like little things where I was just like, God, I know that, you know what I mean? But it was like, I looked back And I see, oh, my gosh, Lord, you were preparing me for what I was going to walk through and what we were going to walk through. You know, so I do like so I would encourage, you know, the listener to really cultivate that space and that communication with the Lord and to not take the moments you have with him for granted, because he's so good that like no matter what you're walking through, whether it's a hard place in your marriage, whether it's, you know, a sickness or, or grieving in any way. That if you look back at like your life and even just leading up to that moment, I promise you there's something there that the Lord has given you, whether it's a song, whether it's an encouragement from a friend, whether it's someone that you bumped into that God's going to show that like he's with you. And um, I found that to be true, not just in that moment that I had in my marriage, but just in my life in general. Like I feel like even with, with you and Brittany, it's like just these God kisses of like, oh my gosh, you're seeing, you know what I'm saying? Like being able to come to the table and um, to be around such God-fearing, genuine women, right? Where it's just like, man, this is what it's all about, right? Is uh, to be able to have safe spaces to process without judgment and to be encouraged to keep going on in the race because we all have something that we're dealing with, right? And um, we're not called, you know, to deal with it alone. So, yeah, that's definitely what I would encourage is, is just, you know, kind of having the, you know, building up like your team, you know what I'm saying? If you're walking through a hard time, maybe you can't afford a therapist, maybe it's your pastor at church or maybe a friend that is wiser than you that's maybe walked through something um, that you're currently walking through and they can come in and help you see that, hey, there is life after this. And I think that can really help you because in those moments you just feel like, Oh my gosh, what is my life going to look like? You know, after this, like, is it possible? And it is possible. Right. So that would be my recommendation.
0: So good. Yeah. I mean your story of resilience and being able to every day choose to get up. I I believe that's what's essential is, is knowing that it's going to look different every day. Yeah. And we may tell ourselves, Hey, Brett, Juliet, Natasha, you got to get up. We may say that 10 times a day, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but on the other side of that, knowing that nothing takes God by surprise. And like Mm -hmm. you just said that he was, you can look back and know you, you were preparing me. That was your vision in my life that if it doesn't take him by surprise, We know that he's our provider. He makes provision in every area of our lives, spirit, soul, and body, heart, mind, and will.
2: So as you were talking, Natasha, I just thought of something I have said to Julia previously Mm -hmm. that I realized, you know, in my twenties, I didn't, I didn't realize it was true, but in my late thirties, now I realize it's true is that we can't all be champions on the same day. And so Mm
1: -hmm. we love that. Yeah. So good.
2: And in my twenties, you know, I settled into isolation. I closed myself off from people because of yeah. hurt and all of the hurt, you know, the marriage crisis, identity crisis, like all the crises at one time. And I thought it was just the way that it was going to be. So mm-hmm. I have had to for years you know, work my way out of that isolated mindset because there is a difference between isolation and hiddenness. Hidden mm. with the Lord is something that is so crucially important at certain times of our life. But if you mistake that for isolation, yeah. you settle into isolation and put barriers in your life and walls up and say this is just the way it's going to be. I'm a loner. I'm supposed to be, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just, nobody understands me. And you settle into that mindset. It can damage your, your, your mindset and your future. And so I just felt like I needed to share that just from my personal experiences that, you know, I have been in seasons of hiddenness, Mm -hmm. um, but I've also reached out to friends, you know, friends that I trust and say, Hey, I just want you to know that I'm going through something uh and would you please pray like I don't have a lot mm-hmm. of words for it um but I feel like I really need to hide away with the Lord and process yeah. but would you be praying and I know that they will like I've done that with Juliet recently and mm-hmm. hey I'm I'm going through something and I I don't have a lot of words but um but I know that you're a safe person and I know that you'll pray and so would you do yeah. that for me she does that mm-hmm. same thing, and it's so beautiful because I didn't have that in my twenties. In my twenties. Yeah. I was just like, "Well, you know, I guess God hates me." <laughs> <laughs> so, something like, "There's no community around me," but I didn't realize it's because I wasn't choosing community. Yeah, I true. was choosing to be isolated, and so I love some of those things that you said because, um, because I've lived it. I know that it's true, and if we have that mindset that we we're all not champions on the same day, then that mm-hmm. allows us the uh, the freedom to say, you know what, I'm not feeling like a champion today. So that one of my friends can be the champion for me, they can go to mm-hmm. God in prayer, and then vice versa. If my friend is having a hard time, you know what, I'm going to champion her today. I'm going to go to God and pray f- over her, um, yeah. and and pray for breakthrough in her life, and. Um, that is Mm. right that is what god calls us to is to lift one another up build up the church and um yeah i just think that's Mm. so so good what you said natasha it's so rich yes
1: so so rich and i think even hearing you it's like just the evolution of our maturity right like in our womanhood of like you know when you're in your 20s it's like yeah you know I got my friends here. I'm just like living life. And then when you get into your 30s and then even up, you realize that, man, friends are such a precious gift. And I've realized, too, it's like sometimes you don't ask for that friend, right, that becomes that friend that is your champion. And I think for me, friendship has always been kind of like weird for me at times because I'm such a loving free person i'm I'm really easy so it's like and a lot of people find a lot of safety with me so it's easy to have people come and flock but then when it comes to like having friends that like i'm establishing this friendship with and we're building intentionally that it's been an ebb and flow for me but i realized that i realized that as you were talking that even for me it was a place of immaturity, like of just not knowing how to choose them, not really understanding the value of them. And now I would say just even in the last couple of years of my life, I've seen a shift, right, in regards to the women in my life that I see are called to to be that champion for me, And um, and since I've let go right of what I think it should look like or, you know, a lot of people can have their their own idea of what a girl gang should look like and how your community should be. And even as I'm learning, I'm realizing that, man, to have a bunch of friends everywhere and we're and we're sharing deep stuff all the time. I just can't handle that. Like I need. Core people, right, where they know all about me and their safety there. So that I can freely give in the other areas. So thank you for sharing that because it's been a journey for me as well. And now it's like such a big value system for me of realizing that like, man, I have women that are legit. If I tell them to pray, they're going to pray and they're going to lift me up and they're going to check in on me and stuff like that. But it's definitely been a journey for me too.
2: <laughs> and With I would that. just add to you, like if if you don't have that community of women, because yeah every single one of us on this call would say we didn't have these women in our Yeah. That you can start by being the encourager, being the one who shows up for your friends and the Lord will send you people like Juliet and I met on a Facebook group randomly one day. Well, like I prayed intentional friendships. I prayed for over a year before Mm -hmm. it came into my life and, um, you know, Jennifer and I met randomly. We don't even know how we met. We were in some random limo together at a Bible college. We were the only ones who got a limo for our Bible college graduation. But anyway, interactions with people. But when you start being intentional and see another person and see the gold in them, then friendship automatically just the right friends will stick around and the Lord will. Yeah develop that friendship and so that's what's so incredible um just meeting you Natasha and meeting all of these God-fearing women is I knew y'all were out there (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it's like you you pray for a while like for God to give you these meaningful relationships or just show you God other God-fearing women that are on mission because as a creative I spend a lot of time in the art studio by myself. And so having these interactions with other women on mission, it fills my heart so much that it says, I'm like, okay, so I'm ready for the week ahead, you know, because these women are doing it and we can just encourage one another forward. But for those of you that that are listening that do not have a community of women, start developing the character that you want in a friend, in yourself, Mm -hmm. and then pray, and the Lord will send you the right friends. He will send you the right community. You stay Mm -hmm. faithful in prayer and know that you may go through a season of um, character building before Mm -hmm. those right friends come along, but it's all a part of the process, and and the Lord is faithful to send you the friends that you seek, Mm -hmm. so.
0: Yeah, and nurture the relationships that are already in in your life and we okay. take our relationships for granted often that this person will be there or they'll always be around and you said Natasha the ebb and flow of our relationships it does look like that and I, I believe too there's friends in my life that we haven't talked in a while just because we are in mission and life's our lives are full with kids and and our work and everything that God has us tending to. And yet we can connect and we just pick up where we've left off. And it's beautiful not keeping tabs on, Hey, I haven't heard from you there. You know, I've, I find that I've talked to other people about that. And it's, that's a a source of shame for them that they really struggle in their relationships that, I haven't talked to her in a year. I haven't talked to them in six months or I wasn't there for them when they were going through that, that time in their lives where it was so traumatic. And we, we have to, to set people free mm-hmm. of, of that attachment to shame and be able to say, Hey, it's okay. Because yeah. God brought me the people that were assigned to that part of mm-hmm. my story and, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Release mm-hmm. them from Feeling like they weren't there for you and, and show them love and, you know, continuing to show up for other people and nurturing Mm -hmm. those relationships. And when you nurture those, you will find the ones that respond to the nurturing and they will flourish and you will grow deep roots in those relationships. And there may be some relationships in our lives that it's, it takes us by surprise we didn't know that we're so compatible or that we're so different. And that's what makes our relationship with that person so unique. I mean, I, I've had this dream for years of renting some massive house and just bringing all, <laughs> bringing <laughs> all of my friends together, you know, it's like, wait a second. And, and I talked to all of my friends about all my friends, like how wonderful, <laughs> they, are, how amazing they are. And I just, there's this feeling inside of me that's like, wait. I thought y'all, wait, I thought y'all knew each other.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, feel yeah. so connected to to my people. Some friends you, you you feel like will be around forever and the nature of those relationships change, life changes. And I believe having an open hand with our relationships and not idolizing those relationships and placing expectations on our friendships that they just can't satisfy that. And we we place people in this position in our lives that they're always supposed to come through for us. And, and if they don't come through in the way we expect them to, uh, then that can be really damaging to our relationship as well. So keeping healthy expectations that life is happening for every single one of us. But I love what both of you said, praying for those women to come into our lives and then yeah. also looking up. And nurturing the ones I think Britt Jennifer was talking about that on the podcast interview that we did with her when you guys were sharing about your relationship is really looking up around you at the friends that that may already be in your life, that you're overlooking, that could be the very person that you've been praying for and, and being that being that friend, Britt, you said, I, I have to restate this because it's so powerful, we can't all be champions on the same day. Mm-hmm. And then you, you said about your own life, work your way out of an isolated mindset. And then isolation uh, is not the same thing as solitude. It's very yeah. different. And for you, Natasha, in my book, I talk about the beginning of going in into that process of, I call it cocooning with Jesus. And mm-hmm. there was a time in my life where that's how I felt was that I was hiding because of what I was walking through and the trauma. And so for me, it was that process of being so invested in my relationships. And that shifted for me. I'm I'm such a relational human being
1: yeah.
0: um, and so connected in my relationships. When you have nurtured those relationships, there's this, this grace. Grace mm-hmm. triumphs over judgment and there was this grace from those close relationships to know hey you're not hiding and god confirming to me juliet you're not hiding we're preparing mm-hmm. and there is that space that we step into with our maker mm-hmm. inside of that cocoon where he says hey let's let's bring back your your brilliance let's begin to shape mm-hmm. you and form you let's unpack let's unwind Let's relearn. I want you to know my intimacy. I want you to know my extravagant love. You know, in my book, I share about the butterfly, how she doesn't get her wings. When she emerges, she gets her wings on the inside of that cocoon. So the only one that can see her wings is her maker. Mm -hmm. There's that space and time in the middle of us being in that embracing the hiddenness. Why is it that that feels unnatural? Mm -hmm. Us. Mm-hmm. it feels that embracing the hiddenness the world would tell us well, where have you been I haven't seen you yeah. Natasha why aren't you showing mm-hmm. up where I haven't seen you on mm-hmm. social media yeah <laughs> <laughs> right where girl where are you where are you where that's you now that's even now right now I, I, was, I was silly have you Bye. seen? Her? I haven't seen her have you seen Natasha because I haven't seen her, oh, her, seen her story I haven't seen her pose is she okay what's going on what's happening now and you know the real friend, the real friends are the ones that are sliding into your DMs, like girl where, where are you or sending you a text messages. but right that's but that's the the perception is is that then we're just not we're not showing up mm. and being able to embrace our hiddenness and saying here, right now, in this moment, if the capacity we have is to is to be present with our husband, we you know a significant other, be present with our children, be present with our family, that there are seasons of our lives where our bandwidth is so small. Yeah. And How do we protect that energy and embracing that hiddenness and being in that space and saying it's okay that mm-hmm. God's grace is sufficient that His Scripture says be still and know that I am God. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's moments where that's a condition of our soul, but also that there's times in our lives where God is really asking us to be still, slow down, pay attention, mm-hmm. be more intentional, tapping into that intuition, those those gut checks that we have, of really being able to slow down and be present. Look at like my friends when they're like, "Hey, I'm checking out a social media," Or I'm, you know, going on a hiatus for a little bit. And I'm like, good for you.
1: That's yeah. beautiful.
0: Like, How can I be praying for you? You know, what's, mm-hmm. what, any, anything. How can I support you as you're walking this out and and making some discoveries about yourself and who God is? But yeah. Like you said, you had to find out who, who are you for me mm-hmm. in all of the hard? Who are, who are you for me? Uh, so powerful. So before we wrap up today, Natasha, what what else? Anything else (laughs) that you want to share? Because Uh you shared so much power in the (laughs) process of what you've walked out. Gave us some guts of your story, which we're so grateful for that, and the the practicality of the soul care for yourself. That Mm -hmm. simplicity of. Hey, these are just some simple things that I did to say, I'm going to, I'm going to choose another day to get up, to be yeah. able to do, that. do you, what would be something that you want our listeners to know?
1: I would want them to know that you're not alone, that you are not too much for God. Like he can handle everything and anything that you may be walking through right now mm. and to not be afraid to be still and to listen to that still small voice because I believe personally now more than ever, he's speaking in so many different ways and he's really desiring to get our attention. We can only really hear from him clearly for what he wants us to personally do by being in relationship with him and by being still to actually hear what he's instructing us to do. And I think You know, like you were mentioning in regards to people taking hiatuses and like taking breaks and just even giving, you know, the listeners the uh, permission to, you know, put up boundaries to say no and to see, okay, what do I need to feel at peace right now? What is chaotic in my life? Like being able to take an evaluation of your life. And even if you have a lot of responsibilities and a lot of people are calling on you that it's okay to step back and to reevaluate everything and to begin again in a more healthier way. I, I just feel like in our world today, there's just so much fast, urgent, you got to get it done. Even if you are taking a break, it's like, I know for me, it's like, I still feel that pressure to show back up again and apologize for being away when it's like, no, yeah, you have permission as a human, right? To take a break and to know that, hey, everything that is happening in the world, even though it's great to be on social media, it's great content. Like to me right now, I'm like, like, there's just so much content that you really have to protect your eyes. Like for me, personally, I have to be like, no, I can't watch this. I can't watch this. Does this even align with what I believe? Am I, you know, taking the opinion of man and making it a part of my theology and how I view God? Like there's just, we really have to reevaluate what we are, you know, receiving and processing and making into truth really just being, you know, I just pray that the Lord would give, you know, your listeners discernment in what he's wanting them to do now, and that they would not be afraid of making that decision to abstain, you know, to remove, to reevaluate, that they would not be afraid of that decision, but that they would be able to see that if God's asking them to do it, it's because he has a better, he has a better way for them. And there's something that he's wanting to you know share with them and to reveal to them during this time. You know, that'll be my encouragement.
0: Thank you. Oh, so good. Britt, last thoughts for our listeners.
2: I just would commission everyone mm-hmm. to lean in and spend some time this week in prayer. And it doesn't have to be this lofty thing, but just inviting the Holy Spirit, inviting the Lord into your day and asking the Lord to be present and to speak and then spending mm-hmm intentional time listening for his answer it doesn't have to take hours and hours it can take a few moments of of each day but inviting him in will change your day for the better and so that's my encouragement is um is just to invite the the lord into your day and see how at the end of the week how your days have been how how much better and more peace filled Your days are so good, Natasha. Thank
0: you again. Thank you for having me. Love having you here. I just it was (laughs) such a beautiful conversation. Britt, thank you for for showing up today and being my co-host again. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into Ground Table today. Uh, We just want you to remember that prayer keeps you free. Prayer keeps you free, and that we can't all be champions, as Britt said on the same day. We hope that you find your tribe, find your people. And we, we pray that we've been that through today. Maybe this was a bright spot in your day. We hope that you've gained some joy and clarity and peace along the way. And don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us a review. We appreciate that. And if you subscribe, you'll be the first to know when a new episode comes out. So until next time, friends, Natasha, Britt, we're signing off. Cheers. Bye. Bye.